It is a rare thing, but oh, that it was much more common. Occasionally, someone crosses your path, and there's something about that person that is very attractive. It's hard to describe just what it is, but there's something quite remarkable that you notice right away. It may be the air of love and gentleness. It might be a sense of joyfulness, perhaps the quiet peacefulness and calm about that person. Maybe it's his or her strong faith, that quiet, easy confidence in the Lord. This is somebody who has self firmly under control, somebody who is full of kindness and goodness. Something very attractive about people like that. They make an impression on you, but the impression they make is not of themselves. They radiate the presence of Jesus. Have you ever met someone like that? They possess the quality that we call godliness. And oh, it is all too rare. Sometimes, because it's so rare, we mistake other things for it. We meet people who are perhaps always busy in Christian things. People who have made sacrifices for the Lord. People who speak pious words. Even people who are in themselves wise and gentle. We meet them and we say, oh, such a godly person. But no, not necessarily. It's possible to be very busy doing Christian stuff. It's possible to give up lots of things for Jesus. It's possible to talk holy talk. You know the kind of talk I mean. It's possible even to be naturally wise and timid and yet still not possess true godliness. Real godliness is something that runs very deep. It's so woven into a person's character that it is his character. It's who he is. You prick him and he bleeds godliness. You shake him as hard as you like and nothing but godliness will spill out. He just effortlessly and unselfconsciously oozes Jesus. And real godliness is something very powerful. Paul wrote to Timothy about people he described as having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You meet and talk to a godly man or woman, and you leave that person feeling refreshed, cleansed, uplifted, encouraged, blessed. You leave rejoicing in the Lord. Wouldn't it be so good to be one of those people. It's what you want, isn't it? Lord, grant that we would be known as godly men and women. The main word that is translated as godliness in our Bibles literally means well devout. 
And also in there is the idea of fearing God or showing reverence. Really, what godliness is, you could say, it's the practical application of the commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. It's total devotion to God. It's attitude, behavior, lifestyle, money and possessions, even your very thoughts, all totally focused on loving and honoring the Lord. Does that sound like a tall order? Maybe it does. But whatever you do, don't go thinking that it's only for a few special Christians. That's a cop-out. Godliness is not an optional add-on. It's not that there is a separate higher class of Christians who are godly. This is for all of us. Godliness is what we have all been called to. It's what Jesus saved you for. Jesus didn't just save you so he could give you a get-out-of-hell-free card, you know. He saved you to change you, to make you different. He saved you in order to be godly. He called you to godliness. He called you to be transformed into his likeness. It's much the same thing, I think. He has called you to godliness, but don't worry. His divine power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Yes, it's a tall order, but he's given you everything you need. doesn't come all at once. Godliness is something that grows. It's a transformation that takes place over time. You're not there yet. You'll not get there all at once. God doesn't expect that. But make it your goal. Make it your goal and don't put it on the long finger, especially those of you who are younger. This is not just something for old Christians. This is something you've got to begin to pursue when you're young. Thinking here of 1 John chapter 1, when John gives the reason for writing his epistle, and he says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, if you were going through the different age groups in the church and thinking, the people who have overcome the wicked one, well, that would be the older people, wouldn't it? It's not what John thinks. He says, you young men, you have overcome the wicked one. He expects to see the young people growing and strong in their godliness. Don't forget that. Pursue godliness now, whatever age you are. Paul wrote to Timothy, exercise yourself toward godliness. Godliness is profitable for all things. And again in 2 Timothy, he says, godliness is great gain. And Peter wrote, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Pursue godliness. Don't just think about it. These are things I recall thinking about when I was a teenager. Who knows what I might have been if I hadn't been a Christian. And I do look back over 40 years as a, a Christian and think, yes, I have grown. But godliness is not as evident as it ought to be after 40 years. 
whatever the reason, I didn't pursue it as much as I should have. Maybe, and I don't put this forward as an excuse, maybe part of the reason was that I was distracted by busyness. And to be honest, a lot of that busyness was in Christian work. God is more concerned about lives that magnify him than he is about the stuff we do for him. No doubt about that. What we are is far more important than what we achieve. And again, speaking to you who are younger, you may have great ambitions. I hope you do. Ambitions in terms of what you might do for the Lord with your life and where you might go and how you might serve him. But pursue godliness first. Make it the priority. So for the next number of weeks, God willing, godliness will be our theme. What it is, how it's attained, why it's so rare, and why it's so slow to develop. And the goal is a different you. There's none of us as godly as we might be. My prayer and my hope is that what I will see is lives that are obviously changed. Is that your expectation when you come here each Sunday? Do you come in the hope of hearing something interesting, learning something new? Or do you come with the expectation that you're going to go out the door a different person than the one who came in? That's what should happen. Father, some of us have been privileged to meet people whose lives radiate the presence and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just long to be like that. We pray, Lord, as we seek to find out how that might be over these coming weeks, that you would speak to us clearly and that you would change us and transform us into the likeness of our lovely Saviour. Amen. Amen.